1: Welcome to a good football show. It's halftime of Monday Night Football. We are doing the waiver wire show. My name is Pat Crane, and I'm joined by John Daigle of NBC Sports Edge. Daigle, how's it going?
2: Going well. Bear waiver wires in Week 11. It actually, feels good to say Week 11. That feels like we're further along than Week 10. I don't know why, but it feels significantly further along. Nonetheless, we are back to we are back to two teams on bye. In the Broncos and the Rams that everyone, if you're listening live, is probably watching right now on Monday Night Football. So we'll go around that. We have some important injuries to note for a short turnaround between the Patriots and Falcons on Thursday night. But overall, this really seems like the last week where if there are a couple guys out there we're going to mention, you should probably just blow the load for them because it seems like they're the last of the crew that could get double digit touches and like be workhorses down the stretch potentially.
1: Yeah. I mean, you can't take this fab with you and you can't, uh, in some leagues it locks during waiver wire or during, sorry, locks during the playoffs. So um, it's helpful to have a, you know, a few bucks left as you get into these final weeks. Um, If you have the hammer, if you've got, you know, 150 and everyone else has below hundred, that can be very helpful. But still, if you have one of these guys that we're mentioning uh, available on your waiver wire, It is one of the last chances to get someone who actually matters, to your point. Let's start with uh, Ramondre Stevenson and the Patriots' backfield. I mean, Stevenson had just a huge week this, this, uh, this past week, showing some versatility, showing well as a receiver, getting goal line work. He had a chance to score. Another touchdown was stopped on a goal line carry and then had a drop on a short reception by the goal line. So it could have been an even bigger day. Damian Harris will be back, though. So what are your thoughts on how to handle Ramondre Stevenson and the rest of the backfield?
2: And if Damon Harris does not come back, you may be scraping in higher stakes leagues for Brandon Bolden if you hadn't already picked him up instead. He's probably also plucked off the waiver wires at this point. But in 10-team, 12-team Yahoo leagues, only 32% rostered for Ramondre Stevenson, who we saw while Matt Jones was under center. He was replaced, Jones was, by Brian Hoyer to end the game. But while Matt Jones was under center, Stevenson recorded 24 touches to Brandon Bolden's six and J.J. Taylor's three. Also 100%. All four New England's RB carries inside the 10 for Stevenson and a season high 55% of offensive snaps. I would be fighting personally for Stevenson if he's on waiver wires, uh, as if Damon Harris is going to get ruled out. It is a short turnaround. It was just an estimate for Monday's practice report, but they still listed him as DNP. I would assume we're not going to get him for this game. And if that's the case, then you automatically have a RB1 and Stevenson ready to go for this game against a Falcons defense, allowing the fifth most fantasy points per game to opposing running backs. Also nearly seven receptions per game to opposing backfield as well. So just a superb spot. But even if Harris were available, this Stevenson and another guy we'll talk about in a bit are practically the, the last two remaining that again, that could carve out a standalone role for themselves, even if they end up being in a committee down the stretch. So I'm pretty much, if I have some leftover, I'm pretty much going all out for Stevenson.
1: I'm with you. Yeah. And I think, you know, one way to, to think through Stevenson is that he's probably gonna have a role the rest of the way in some capacity, whether that's you know, him mixing in as an early down runner with Harris or as you know, a guy who could reclaim some of that James White role from Brandon Bolden because what he showed this past week, I think was pretty special. It was something that they haven't been able to get out of the backfield really all year outside of some really nice Damian Harris early down runs. So and and by that what I'm talking about is explosiveness. You know, and they don't really have that much explosiveness throughout the entire roster. So I think that, you know, you're gonna have something in Stevenson the rest of the way. Uh, and then you also have the contingent value to where any games that Harris misses, whether it's week 11, maybe, you know, additional games down the stretch, who knows, you know, you do have an RB1 in Stevenson. So I, I agree. Um, before we move on, one guy that comes to mind, you know, in some shallower leagues, someone who like may have been dropped. And you mentioned just kind of blowing the the budget. I think I'd literally leave myself maybe two or three dollars left if A.J. Dillon was was dropped in any leagues. Uh, I, should mention you know that is someone that you you would maybe even truly empty the clip for if uh, if he's out there anywhere
2: he is especially because we heard one to two weeks but who knows if that's the case uh i would bet aaron jones is not back till week 14 i've seen some people say that well in in week 12 before the packers hit their bye in week 13 they play the rams remember this is the hashtag longest season ever. Every team understands that basically you get participation trophies and everyone makes the playoffs this year. They do not care about the buy. If you're in that position, sure. But the Packers are not worried about it. They are looking at the long-term health of their offense and going for the Super Bowl. So I would bet everything that Aaron Jones doesn't return until week 14. And so I would uh, be fine breaking the bank on AJ Dillon.
1: Yep. All right, let's move to um, Tennessee where we've got, Uh, Julio Jones uh, out now uh, on IR with the hamstring injury. So how do we play the wide receiver situation there?
2: One that's pretty straightforward and came clear in Julio Jones' first game of a three-game stint since he was moved to inter-reserve over the weekend. And Marcus Johnson now in three games without Julio Jones – has averaged 5.3 targets per game, a 20% target share, and more importantly, ran a route on 71% of the Titans' dropbacks. Whereas in three appearances, because remember, he was injured at the beginning of the year, and that's why we've been waiting to see how the receivers shake out, especially after they waived Josh Reynolds, their big free agent pickup, last week. Three games alongside Julio.
1: Not that big (laughs) as a free agent pickup.
2: With Julio this year, for Marcus Johnson, just a 2.3% target share and only eight routes per game. Literally a non-factor because Chester Rogers goes in the slot. It's very clear Marcus Johnson goes in the boundary for Julio Jones. And so Marcus Johnson is the player we're picking up as a low-end wide receiver two, wide receiver three against the Texans, a very favorable matchup. And then although the Patriots still have a top-five DBOA defense against boundary receivers – I bet the game plan on that one, since there's no one else to shut down, will be to bracket A.J. Brown and just let Marcus Johnson beat you. So I think he's a good fill-in for at least two weeks, and then we'll see what happens if Julio Jones' hamstring lingers.
1: Feels to me like Marcus Johnson's kind of in the, you know, you might have to spend a little bit more than the minimum to make sure you get him if you need the fill-in, but still someone that you're going to be churning out, so you want to keep the bids pretty cheap. Do you agree with that?
2: Yes, I agree with that. It's also, when you look at the waiver wire for wide receivers this week, it's a fairly weak one, honestly. So if you look, and Marcus Johnson is still the best available, um, this is still the number two de facto receiver in place of Jones. So I still don't mind, like, fighting for him if you're really in need of, like, a wide receiver four flex the rest of the way, just in case.
1: That makes sense. Uh, let's talk, in, while we're here, uh, Deontay Foreman, who – you know, was someone who, in deeper leagues, was already picked up last week for a couple bucks, uh, most likely. And Adrian Peterson obviously picked up; he was kind of the big guy from last week. But we saw that Deontay Foreman's role was actually the one that grew this past week, whereas Peterson's basically stayed the same. Uh, Foreman jumped in snaps uh, from twenty-one uh, percent to thirty-five percent. He dropped in share backfield attempts from twenty-three percent to forty-eight percent. This is still a, a three-way split. Um, you were comparing it to the Miami backfield on our recap podcast. And, you know, so that's that's not all that appealing. But at the same time, there's a chance that Foreman's going to be the lead back here going forward, and that's worth something.
2: And Foreman with just one carry inside the 10, and that is my concern. On the recap show, I compared Adrian Peterson to Malcolm Brown. I think that is still the case, except with a few more touches than Brown between the 20s as well. My concern is that I genuinely just – I worry about Foreman ceiling since I do think they just plug in Peterson anytime they're on the goal line, honestly. So I think they cannibalize one another essentially with Jeremy Nichols still, no matter what, playing on third down. So not as high of a ceiling player as Amandre Stevenson. He will be behind Dylan and then Stevenson in that order in the waiver wire column. But again, among the options that are left, Foreman still makes for the number three running back, in my opinion, this week. Yep.
1: Uh, Let's talk some more wide receivers. We got the Steelers guys. James Washington was kind of assumed to be the dude who would be getting a lot more run with Claypool out last week. And he's been described as week to week. So he could be out again very easily this week. Uh, obviously, Juju Smith-Schuster done for the year. And, you know, James Washington did have more routes, scored a touchdown. But we also saw quite a bit from Ray Ray McLeod. I believe he was second on the team in targets. So how are you handling the Pittsburgh Steelers?
2: Anytime reporters say avoid a season ending injury, and then everyone else, like on the team, wipes their brows, but we know it's going to be a multi week injury. He's going to be out a few games. And what we saw was Deontay Johnson still. Kept on chugging away with the team high target share from Mason Rudolph, twenty six percent. Ray Ray McLeod popped up for twelve targets for a twenty four percent target share. James Washington was behind Pratt Fryermuth. Fryermuth eighteen percent, Washington twelve percent. Just six targets scored on a catch on one of those six targets. Nonetheless, just six though, as fourth most in targets on the team. But James Washington did quietly lead in routes run among the three. Um, and it was not even close. It's Washington 53 routes. Deontay Johnson ran 52, one behind him, and then Raven McLeod at 47 with Cody White at just four. So they have their locked in three wide receivers set and with Pat Fryermuth basically until Chase Claypool comes back. So I think both are confident options. Uh uh James Washington did record more 20-plus yard targets, though, than McLeod. And so that's the way I'm going to go, even though we saw Rudolph have 50 attempts and still couldn't reach 300 yards. Not not the greatest option that you're trying to play with that quarterback. But nonetheless, I will still prioritize James Washington over McLeod.
1: So one thing I'll say in favor of Washington um, is that the uh, there was actually a defensive pass interference call that washington drew he also drew an offensive he he caused an offensive pass interference call so he kind of made up for it. but he there was another long target in there as well um and so that's that's nice but on the other hand we're gonna have roethlisberger coming back if washington's the field stretcher i actually wonder if ray ray, ray mcleod might have a little bit more upsides just kind of like you know just pure volume where james washington is such a dart throw if I needed someone to fill in, I'm probably keeping the bids very cheap on these guys. So it's not really a tiebreaker based on the price uh, of the fab. Definitely. But I think if I just had to start one of these guys next week, I'd rather start Ray Ray McLeod and just bank on like six catches.
2: Well, you're also keeping it cheap because we don't know. Um, right. rossberger I don't expect to play. This week against the Chargers, Jay Glazer said so himself. It's actually looking like Rossberger won't go. And so if that's the case, it would be Washington. But then also, if you're looking long-term, you have to ask yourself, how long does Clay pull out? And then you also have to say, how long is Rossberger out too? So we are saying like Washington in that case would be the best bet with Rudolph in week 11. But then you go to week 12 and you're stuck holding the bag because suddenly Rossberger comes back, Clay pulls out, and then... If your analysis is true or like comes correct, then that's McLeod is the better option. I don't disagree with you at all either. So it is just a tumultuous situation, but you are correct. I would definitely sprinkle. You're not going crazy, whether it's Rudolph or Rossberger, it doesn't matter. So just (laughs) be careful. Keep the light. It's a thin thin week for
0: receivers. (laughs) (laughs) The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel.
1: All right, let's get to some deep cuts. Who you got?
2: Wayne Gallman popped up with 15 touches, but I would note that nine of those came on the team's final few drives in the fourth quarter once the Falcons were trailing 43-3. So pretty much just wasting away the clock. Having said that, Mike Davis was not involved at all. And Arthur Smith said it's because they knew they had a short turnaround and they were preserving Mike Davis. But what the hell are they preserving Mike Davis? Like, what is the difference between preserved and regular (laughs) Mike Davis? There is none at all. They're preserving
1: him in amber.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So Mike Davis will probably be more involved But I don't think it matters anyhow. I think Wengom would split touches, and it's not a good option. It is a desperate option if you need a running back. So Wengom will be there since Cordero Patterson. is not expected to play on Thursday. But I genuinely just expect the Falcons' offense to tank, as we saw without Calvin Ridley for the 2nd straight game, against the Cowboys. Just when they know how to shut down Kyle Pitts, there's no other real NFL talent around Matt Ryan, and they just crater. And so I would expect that on Thursday night. Patrick Taylor. Will you talk about
1: sorry, but Cordell Patterson appears that he's not going to play in that game. So I think that goes to the the point.
2: Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's why you're you would pick up Gaum in a deeper league, but also like do not expect much. I would, like you'll get 12 for 30 and then get out of there if you're desperate. Um I just I just expect the Patriots to roll, whether it's Stevenson or Damian Harris in the back. Uh Patrick Taylor, because now he is one injury away, AJ Dillons, from taking over this backfield. He would be the leading back. We saw Dylan did get 12 touches to Taylor's two once Aaron Jones got injured, but nonetheless, it's Taylor who's the backup. So do what you want with that. Kez Watkins, because the Eagles ran a season high rate of 11 personnel once Dallas Goddard exited with a concussion in the first quarter. And we saw, even if you just go back a couple of weeks against the Chargers, Dallas Goddard and Devontae Smith made up 70% of the team's targets. They just don't go to anyone else. And so what will happen, like, this game, when Kez Watkins tied Devonta Smith with a team high in targets, they'll basically just be the two only used players because Jack Stoll and Tyree Jackson, they're just not going to earn targets like their Dallas Goddard. So it'll be 11 personnel, and then hope Kes Watkins get there on a long touchdown. Hopefully he doesn't drop it like he did this past week.
1: I'll say deep leagues, tight end premium leagues, your, your FFPC high-stakes stuff, you're going to want to put in probably a $1 bid on Tyree Jackson this is a guy who's very athletic. They really were excited about in training camp. Had a I believe a back injury, like a broken, some kind of like fracture in his back. The type of thing that you shut a guy down for the season for, type of thing where you don't put him on your active 53-man roster and then have him go on a long IR stint so that you can get him back now, which is what they did. They they burned a roster spot, you know, they cut somebody to keep this guy around. Now he's getting a chance. You know, it's a very kind of thin bet that he ends up mattering at all, but it's an athletic tight end with targets available who they are clearly very intrigued by. I think that's someone to pick up on the cheap this week.
2: Totally fair. Like Patrick Taylor, Godwin Igwe Buquet, who you saw pop up for three carries, I believe, behind DeAndre Swift's 36 touches this past game. Strictly a contingency option, but again, with Jamar Jefferson, who got carted off, likely out of the way for the rest of the season, now it's a clear path for Godwin I as opposed to if in previous, previously with Jamar Jefferson involved, we would have been debating which one to start. Now it's very clearly one backup if DeAndre Swift were to get injured, and then even if Jamal Williams were available. So pretty, pretty great pickup, honestly, especially in deeper leagues before the fantasy playoffs, just in case. And then finally, Gerald Everett, we've seen back-to-back games, with a route on 78% of the teams of Seattle's dropbacks. And with Russell Wilson back this past week, that on-field usage amounted to a season-high 20% target share. So just another tight end premium option if you're still trying to get one out there.
1: Yep, and I would only mention uh, Jeff Wilson as another guy who, you know, we're seeing here. We don't, get, we don't have all the stats because he's literally still playing this week. Right. But Jeff Wilson may have been dropped in some leagues. Um because last week he was active, didn't get any run at all, and so now this week we're seeing him get a little bit of usage. Uh, he currently has five carries for twenty-three yards, so definitely someone to make sure you check your waiver wire, see if he's there. I would, I personally would pick him up over you know the Godwin eye of the world, but I mean the, Patrick Taylor, you know, is probably in a in a similar discussion just because Jones is going to be out a while, and he would have immense value if. Anything were happen to Dylan, whereas Wilson's probably someone you're you're mixing in. Uh, even if Mitchell were to go down, I don't know he'd have a huge role.
2: You're nitpicking. We are nitpicking, but I think I prefer Goblin I just because he would, in my opinion, get the pass catching role. Whereas you're even seeing tonight without Jamichael Hasty, that goes to use check. And Trey Sermon, the fullback, still just stays going to Wendy's, being benched, whatever he does during games. So, like, they're never just—they're never going to use Wilson and Sermon like ever in a pass-catching role. It goes to use check. That's it.
1: There was a question here about Royce Freeman. Was the only question I saw. I didn't see this scoop. There's apparently Silva has a, a beat writer scoop on Freeman.
2: Does he? Yeah, he hasn't told me.
1: You live with the guy, so you're—you <laughs> you're, should probably okay. Dangle doesn't know, so
2: I don't know what you're talking about. We we got the we got the Kavara dudes, early, but we did not get. We have not heard about Royce Freeman. Uh, The day I hear about Royce Freeman. Oh, any? Oh no, he's asking
1: if Silva has a beat writer's scoop. Okay, sorry. I thought I thought he was saying Silva.
2: We're not hearing anything about Royce Freeman. I mean, Amir Amir Abdullah has outplayed Royce Freeman in his stint with Carolina. So, or you're not. I mean, the day we hear about Royce Freeman for his entire career is the day we hear about Royce Freeman.
1: (laughs) We're still waiting on that day. I think that'll do it. Any any other guys to mention before we're
2: out, Daniel? Still, thank you for always tuning in, Permar. Appreciate you. And no, that's about it. You can check out everyone else in the waiver wire column. It's going to be more of a column for the player notes that you want to read than really the rankings. Check them out as well. But also, like, the rankings really aren't that important this week because it's very clearly a top hierarchy. And then the rest, it's really about sifting through the end of your roster.
1: Yeah, and it's about what you need at this point. It's about Absolutely. what you need to get into the playoffs what your specific team looks like. So those player notes, that context is absolutely critical. Make sure to check that out.
2: Also oddly a good streaming quarterback week. If you're still doing that, like there are a lot of bad quarterbacks and great matchups. And as we know, matchups repel quarterbacks. So I'm going to be writing about six different quarterbacks. I think that are, just prepared to make like the good football the past two weeks has been uh, more great football week eleven.
1: Oh god! All right. Well, hey, you know, get your DFS research started at the very least because yeah. you know that's that's a uh, cheap quarterback's been more usable than uh, than in years past. All right, we'll leave it there. Thanks so much for watching. We'll be back here at halftime at Monday Night Football next week. Make sure to check out Diego's column. Thanks for joining.